Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Congratulations, true crime addicts. We've survived another week. It is Friday, September 16th, 2022. And these are the top true crime stories from around the world. Brought to you by me, James Renner, the host of the show. Hey, uh, thanks to everybody that came out to the Savannah Crime Expo last weekend. It was nice to meet some of you in person. I'd never been to Savannah before. It's, uh, It's a nice little town. There are ghost tours all over the place, um, run by anybody that happens to walk by that knows anything about ghosts, but I guess it was very good. But I had a good time in Savannah, uh, and uh, I want to announce that I've been invited to attend the Pacific Northwest True Crime Fest, which is October 8th and 9th in Auburn, Washington. That's outside of SeaTac. If you're up that way, come on out and see us. It's uh, pnwtruecrimefest.com for information, but I'm going to be on a panel. I was asked to be on a panel to talk about true crime writing with none other than Greg Olson. Uh, I have uh, one of his, a couple of his books on the shelf back here, but um, he's been a mentor and uh, he's a great true crime writer, has been writing true crime for decades. So super stoked to go to that. I'll be there on the 9th, which is Sunday. So uh, check me out at the PNW True Crime Fest. Let's get to the top stories. We've got a lot to get through this week. Um, I've got some coffee in my mug. Uh, Man, sobriety's hard sometimes, but uh, we're going with coffee this week um, to perk me up a bit. That's the good stuff. Brought to you by Nervous Dog in Akron. Uh, (laughs) Don't worry, I paid for it. It's, It's not sponsored. All right. Top story this week, no doubt about it. Have you heard about this already? If you haven't, you got to get caught up. And this is this is what I do for you with this podcast. I catch you up on the true crime news. If you miss a week, you miss a lot, as they say. Um, but holy forkin' shirt balls, people. Adnan Syed is going to go free. I think he's going to go free. He might be free by this time next week. He might be free by the time you listen to this podcast. Adnan, uh, as you remember was the subject of the serial podcast. And anyways, I was watching the news, and you see updates on that case all the time, right? And I saw this headline that said his conviction, that lawyers were trying to get his conviction vacated, and I'm like, oh, another move by the defense, you know, hard hard rot, you know, they're doing their best. But this wasn't the defense. This was the prosecution. This is so incredibly rare. The prosecutors went to a judge this week and said that the conviction should be vacated. And they may bring him to trial again, 
but they no longer have faith in their original conviction of Adnan, Adnan uh, for the death of Haemin Lee back in, uh, um, back in the 90s there. Uh, so they're asking a judge to vacate Adnan's conviction. This is coming to us from the Washington, uh, the, I'm sorry, the Wall Street Journal. Now, like I said, he was the subject of that 2014 podcast serial that started this whole true crime podcasting wave. Uh, I can't believe it's been that long. 2014 is when that came out. Now, so the, this case is important for a number of reasons, the least of which is that true crime this week wouldn't exist without serial and, and this, whole, this whole case. Uh, at the center of this was the reporter Sarah Koenig investigating the murder of Heyman Lee, while sort of appearing to maybe fall in love with Adnan along the way, or at least come to deeply sympathize with him, made things a little murky. Uh, one reason for the prosecution to, to maybe to get out ahead of this and to ask for this conviction, conviction to be vacated is that it appears they may have committed a Brady violation which is a big deal in criminal cases. That's when the prosecutors withhold evidence or witnesses or testimony that could be what they call exculpatory for the defense. It could go towards proving that this person is actually innocent. And apparently they kept this interview from the defense and in the interview of a witness who said there was another suspect who wanted to hurt Hei Min Lee and said, quote, he would make her disappear, he would kill her. So that's, that's kind of a big deal that that was never given to the defense. The prosecutors also say that another man who was a suspect has since been accused of a separate rape and sex assault. Heyman Lee's car, we also now know, was found behind the house belonging to this other suspect. So suddenly, it looks like Adnan might actually be innocent this whole time, the Andy Dufresne of it all. Um, so uh, they, the prosecutors are also asking the judge to release Adnan uh, on his own personal recognizance, meaning they could probably make, you know, have him post bail, but at this point they're saying, just, just let him out, let him out. Well, we, we, we fucked up, we're gonna try and fix it, but for now, let him out. So crazy news in that case. Uh, he may be out already. Second story this week involves the, uh, so do you remember the Piketown massacre? There's a big trial going on related to that case. This is the trial of George Wagner IV. This is weird, by the way, that you're naming, like, I'm a second. I'm James Renner the second, but like, that's, that's about where it should end. When you get into the third and like, Thurston Howell the fourth, and all that. It's kind of silly, especially given where Pike County is, which is in that section of of Ohio between Cincinnati and Marietta. That's just like, I mean, picture Ozark, picture Deliverance. That's that's what we're talking about here. So let's not put on airs and name your kid George Wagner the fourth. Anyways, <laughs> I digress. Uh, so, if, to re-familiarize you with the Piketon Massacre, this happened on the night of April 21st, 2016, when someone murdered eight members of the Roden family. 
These murders took place in three separate locations where this is biblical. This was wiping an entire family off the face of the earth. Now, I remember back then when it happened, 2016, I had a friend who was working for CNN at the time, and she called me up because it was an Ohio case, and she, she's like, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think happened? I'm like, what do you think happened? And she thought at the time it might be related to, like, marijuana growing out in the fields there, and somebody found out, and there, there was this big battle. That didn't make sense to me for a number of reasons. You're dealing with three different locations. Um, also, who kills anybody from marijuana anymore, especially in Ohio? Uh, I thought, even at the time, this just struck me. Something about it struck me as a jilted lover, that only somebody could have that much rage in that situation. It must have been... <laughs> It, it must have been a jilted lover that just somehow exploded. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't too far, according to the prosecutors in this case. So after the murders, two years went by before several members of the Wagner family were arrested and charged with these murders. Um, suddenly it started to seem like a Hatfield-McCoy situation, right? You got these two clans out in the middle of nowhere in Ohio and one clan killed the other one. Uh, Jake Wagner's at the center of this is one of the younger men of the Wagner family. He pleaded guilty to shooting five of the vic victims, and he cut a deal with prosecution so that he would roll on the rest of his family. He's ratting out the rest of his father, who he says took part in these murders. Um, now, George Wagner is his older brother. He's actually facing the death penalty here in Ohio if he's convicted. Even though nobody's saying that George fired the shots that killed the rodents, uh, prosecutors say he was involved in the conspiracy of their murder and cover-up after. Now, all this has to do with, with, so why? Why did all this happen? Well, he, Jake, remember Jake Wagner? He's, he's kind of at the center of this. He had a kid with Hannah Roden, a 19-year-old girl, 19-year-old young woman who was, who was murdered that day. They met when she was 13, and he was 18, by the way. So anyways, they had this kid. Hannah kicked him to the curb because he was a creep, and she, uh, he, she would not give up custody of the kid. That angered the Wagner family. And in a Facebook message revealed by the prosecution, Hannah is, is saying that they'd have to kill her before they ever got custody of the kid. Apparently, the Wagner clan were inspired by those words because they then decided to kill her, and anyone else who might link them to that murder, meaning pretty much the entire Roden family. The defense says George had nothing to do with the killings. His attorney, Richard Nass, has a quote here, quote, there are certain things in his life that he couldn't control, certain things in this life we can't control. One of those is your family name. George cannot help that he's a Wagner, but that does not make him a murderer. So what do you think? It's, it's kind of a, a, gray, a gray area there. A death penalty for just being involved in a conspiracy. Um, but what a crazy, terrible case. Uh, it is definitely like something out of Ozarks. Uh, final story today is out of India. And this is kind of, I, I bring it to you because it's a portrait of common crime elsewhere in the world to give you an idea of how how well off we we are here 
allegedly. Now, picture the story happening in Des Moines instead of India. There were, this is a story about two teen sisters. One was 15, one was 17, both raped, murdered, and hung from a tree in a sugarcane field in Lankhampur, district of Uttar Pradesh. Six men have been arrested for this crime and the subsequent cover-up of the murders of these two sisters. Now, unfortunately, this is not an uncommon crime in present-day India, which is where they still unofficially kind of recognize different caste systems, uh, different classes of citizens. Remember, if you might have learned that in social studies, these sisters were what's called Dalits, uh, which are what they used to call the untouchables the lowest of their caste system and everybody at least back in the day and still many currently look down upon them. Uh, the arrests show though a, a growing hope for change. These men probably wouldn't have been arrested 50 years ago. Assaults are rampant still in India, especially among the Dalits. Uh, uh, the average 87 cases a day, but it's hard to pinpoint really those numbers because <laughs> Other reports show that 99% of these assaults are never reported. So how in the world, uh, you know, take 87 and multiply it by 100. The deputy chief minister of Uttar Pradesh said uh, the, the perps, and he came out, and he's, he's, he's on fire because this is what he said at the press conference uh, when they asked what was going to happen to these men who were arrested. He said, quote, they would face such an action that their souls that the souls of their upcoming generations will also shiver. Thank goodness we don't have that here in the United States. Uh, in a related story, in Des Moines, Iowa this week, a young African-American sex worker was ordered by a judge to pay $150,000 to the family of a man she killed when she was a 15-year-old after being repeatedly raped by this man. That's this week in... Des Moines, Iowa. All right, I will have some more uplifting news coming to you after the break. I have updates in cold uh, case news and uh, genetic genealogy, including a short update on uh, tangentially the Moore Murray case. Stay tuned. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back with Designing Women, starring Meshach Taylor. Uh, I, I don't know why I do that. It's fun for me. I hope it's fun for you. Uh, cold case updates here. The remains of Amy Hambrick have been found. This is according to Youngstown Police and a press conference that was held on Tuesday, according to NBC News. Uh, Amy Hambrick had been missing since November 2017. She was 29 years old when she vanished from the west side of Y-Town. Now, if you're not from Ohio, Youngstown is near the border of Pennsylvania on your way to Pittsburgh. And it is a bit of a demilitarized zone these days. We used to, it used to be a big city had a industry. Industry fell apart in the 90s and lots of abandoned buildings out there. Although I hear Youngstown's trying to, to build itself back up. It's certainly not as bad as Warren, and I've just alienated half my listenership. I'm sorry about that. But no, there's some good places in Youngstown, but there's also some, some scary places as well. Apparently in late August, a woman went searching in the woods outside of Youngstown. It's just west of the Pennsylvania border. She found, she was looking for her lost dog. I hope she found the dog. She also found a, uh, some skeleton remains wrapped in a cloth. Police compared the teeth to the missing woman, found out it was a match. Now, Amy was last seen heading to a friend's house, but she never made it there. Police and family believe somebody knows something about this crime and asked that they come forward to police and resolve and, and bring some closure for the family. Small update here, uh, tangentially, like I said, related to the Maura Murray case. So at the time of Maura Murray's disappearance, she, her boyfriend, she was dating, she was, I guess, promised to one day be engaged to a guy named Bill Rausch, who then went on to become a major in the U.S. Army. Well, later today, Friday, a D.C. Superior Court judge will sentence Army Major Bill Rausch for assaulting a young woman in D.C. in 2011. So, 
During the research into my book, I wrote this book, True Crime Addict, about the Moore Murray case. During the course of my research, I had to look into Bill Roush a little bit, who the night that Moore disappeared in the White Mountains of New Hampshire was supposedly at Fort Sill, uh, you know, at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, and it's pretty, pretty well alibied. Now, uh, you'll have to, uh, there's a lot more to say about that. But uh, during the course of my research, a number of women came forward with allegations against Bill, everything from sexual harassment all the way up to attempted rape. One of these women uh, went to police and he was indicted for felony sex abuse in, I think it was March or April of 2019. So this, this case has been going on for more than three years now in the court systems of D.C. It was delayed at first by his attorney, but then by COVID. COVID kind of delayed it for about two years. And sometime in that time frame, he cut a deal with the pro his lawyer cut a deal with prosecutors, and uh, they have dropped the felony charge, and he is now pleading guilty to simple assault. So it's unlikely he'll serve any time in jail. We'll see how the sentencing works out. Uh, if you want extreme updates, uh, I'll probably be covering it on my social media, Twitter feed, Facebook, things like that. So um, what, what'll be interesting is, is to hear the victim's impact statement during that sentencing. And not for nothing, but while he was awaiting trial for this case, his girlfriend filed for a protection order and she won it eventually. She claims that he would choke her and call her Mora call her names, and once paid her to have sex with a man who works at the White House. So, uh, crazy. Everything about that case is nutso. So, uh, stay tuned. Genetic genealogy news. First, I have a case for you that's more about familial DNA than technically this investigative genetic genealogy, but it's still cool. Still use some of, some of the same tools there. In 1972, 19-year-old Nancy Anderson was stabbed to death in her apartment in Honolulu. She just moved to Hawaii from Bay City, Michigan, got a job at McDonald's. Now, it's 1972 we're talking about. That's, pretty, that's a pretty adventurous thing to do. And it sounds like loads of fun. <laughs> you know, you're escaping the Midwest. You're out on your own. You're 19 years old. You move to Hawaii. You get a, you get a simple job. Just enjoy paradise, right? She was stabbed in her apartment. And when I say stabbed, I mean 63 times she was stabbed and finally she was pierced in the heart and died. The only evidence police had to go by were bloody towels they found near her body that contained blood that was not hers and they assumed it was the killer. Last year, Honolulu police received a tip that they should be looking into an old attorney in Reno, Nevada, named Tudor Chirilla, who's now 77 years old. So police searched his criminal record, started looking into this guy, and found that he had 
at one time reported a car stolen. This was way back in 1971. They dug up this old report, but what they found interesting was he, list, he listed his place of birth as Honolulu. So it gets him a little closer there. Now he also found this. In 1995, Tudor was accused of kidnapping his girlfriend with the intent of rape. Charges, though, were dropped in that case. Police started staking out Tudor. They were trying to get a DNA sample, hoping he'd take a drink and like discard a bottle or something. They couldn't. It didn't work. It didn't work, though. He's wily, that one. So they said, all right, let's just go get it from his son. So they tracked down his kid, asked for a DNA sample. Then they did the familiar DNA search. Sure enough, it said that kid's father was the one that killed Nancy Anderson in Honolulu in 1972. We need a new version of the Clue board game, right? With genetic genealogy as one of the solves. It's like, maybe like a, a, if you roll sixes three times in a row, you can do genetic genealogy on a suspect or something. Make that happen. I get a piece of it. All right, uh, uh, <laughs> another solve by DNA Doe Project. Headline, skull found near Copper Mountain Resort in 2016 has been identified. In July 2016, hikers discovered a human skull in a heavily wooded area just outside of the Y Avalanche Chute near Copper Mountain, Summit County, Colorado. Nearly a month later, searchers found additional skeleton, skeletal remains and personal items nearby. A forensic pathologist determined the remains to be that of a white male between 30 and 50 years old with strawberry blonde hair. Damage to the skull was consistent with a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head with a Glock 45, which was found near the remains. Items found were hiking gear and clothing, but no form of identification at all, and the serial number to the firearm had been intentionally destroyed. They have some quotes here from the DNA Doe Project. They talk about how they, this case led them to Norway, Sweden, Poland. These people do a lot of work, and this, is, this was by one Missy Koski, a friend of the show. We knew we'd, this is her quote, we knew we had found the right man in our tree when some old-fashioned Y-DNA research was combined with some new-fashioned research using DNA segment tools. This is uh, cop talk, this is inside baseball, but trust me, it's all very cool. And there's actually some more info about this man, because I was wondering, who is this Peterson, and how did he end up there, and what was going on? You can find it on message boards. Uh, Peterson had a difficult childhood, and he was deeply troubled. He was a graduate of Virginia Tech, majored in industrial engineering. He was on a leadership team at Management Systems Laboratory in Virginia, at Virginia Tech for many years. He loved mountains in Colorado would spend time hiking and skiing up there. So it was, you know, a lot of times when people die by suicide, they go back to the place that they remember fondly. That's where they want to remain. Uh, he lost a large amount of money during the 2008 financial crisis, which left him frustrated. He told his family that he was moving to Belize, never to be heard from again. So sad end to that story. Hopefully he found peace. Got a little weird news. Not so weird. It's un uh, we saw this, we, you know, it's... Anyways, here it is. Uh, everything about the Sherry Papini story is weird, so I'm putting it here. Remember, she was that young woman who faked her kidnapping in 2016. She disappeared for three weeks. She pulled a Gone Girl, 
and then reappeared claiming she'd been kidnapped by two Hispanic women, but she was really hanging out with her ex-boyfriend. And then she continued to lie about it for years after until it came apart last year and she got caught in her lie. Now, and nobody believed that, by the way. You know, everybody knew that, <laughs> that she was making it up, but, you know, she was the last one to admit it. Now, she's going to be sentenced on Monday. Her attorney is asking for no more than eight months in custody. How do you feel about that? And, and some home detention on top of that. The attorney and Sherry Papini claim that the public shame that she's received already feels like a life sentence. It's according to Oxygen.com. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I think she has a, a bit of a point. Should she go to prison just for lying? Nobody got hurt. Nobody was murdered. She wasn't even really attacked. Who's the victim here? I guess you could say the victim is, you know, the citizens, the taxpayers that footed the bill for her search. But if you're an adult, you're allowed to disappear on your own. It only became kind of fuzzy, kind of a crime when she returned and made up a story about it. So, I don't know. You know, I don't know what you do after that either. I think the judge and, and the FBI agents, they just want her to say, okay, you got me. I did it and just admit, but, you know, she, she never, she never would do that. So I, I'm interested in the next chapter of her life. I don't think it's over. I, I disagree that with her that it's a life sentence. I think if she played her cards right, she could, man, what a podcast that would be if she came out and wanted to do a podcast. I, I bet, I bet we'd listen to it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see what she does next. Hey, I got a, we got a new segment this week. Uh, my assistant, Walter, wanted to, he asked me if he could do something for this week's episode. So I said, what do you want to do? And he said, well, it, he wants to do this new segment called, called This Fucking Guy. So uh, here we are. Here's uh, this week, uh, Walter with This Fucking Guy. This fucking guy, am I right? Thank you, Walter. <laughs> oh, boy. If, if you don't, if you're not watching this on YouTube, you have no idea what just happened. That's okay, though. You didn't miss much. Let's check out pop culture. You know, it seems like every week now we've got a new true crime documentary series uh, premiering on Netflix, and this week is no exception. We've got Sins of Our Mother. I think they're running out of good titles, though. Sins of Our Mother, which tells the very, uh, tells the story behind the very, very recent case of Lori Vallow. Remember Lori Vallow? She's the one, she had two kids missing. Ty Lee and JJ. And then she went on vacation to Hawaii and she got married to her cult, creepy cult preacher boyfriend. And the media was all around her asking, what, what are you doing? And, and she had that creepy smile. Anyways, the preacher boyfriend, Chad Daybell, and they believed that they were waging war against demons. I hope they won. Um, I'm, I'm guessing not. I'm guessing we're dealing with mental illness there. The children's bodies were found buried in a pet cemetery. So this story is pretty much nightmare fuel all around. The documentary centers on interviews with Lori's surviving son, Colby. Now here's the newsy twist brought to you by True Crime This Week. You might not have heard. Colby was arrested last week in Arizona and charged with sex assault of his estranged wife. Now this Tuesday, a twist within a twist. The donut hole within the donut hole, if you will. 
This Tuesday, the prosecutors filed a motion to dismiss those charges, according to CBS News. Dismissed without prejudice, meaning that they can refile charges sometime in the future. It's possible they just didn't want him facing trial as they were using, because prosecutors were going to need him as a witness in the Lori Vallow case. So it suddenly got really complicated, and they're just like, okay, let's close this for now. We might bring charges later. Let's uh, check the charts, the true crime charts over at chartable.com. You've got your you've got your same top 10, and good for them. You've got My Favorite Murder, and then up at the top, you've got Crime Junkie and Morbid still fighting it out, duking it out left and right. I had to go all the way down to number 24 to find something fairly new and interesting. Um, this is a, a podcast called Cold. Now, Cold is a narrative podcast focused on missing persons cases. Investigative journalist and host Dave Cawley takes on a single story each season. Season one tells of the unsolved disappearance of Susan Powell, which is a very interesting case, although I, unsolved, uh, I, I, I'm going to disagree with that. I think we everybody kind of knows what happened there. Season two digs into the vanishing of Joyce Yost on August 10th, 1985. They must be doing something right, so check them out. Cold. And that's the stories for this week. And it is Friday, which is always reason to celebrate. We've survived another week. And in the words of the incomparable Murray Saul, the godfather of Cleveland Radio, that means we got to, 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 get down, damn it.